So here we go, 1 Peter chapter 3. Guess what we're going to talk about? Family for the next few months. Family. We're going to talk about those that are single, those that are single parents, those that are married. So get out your pens and pencils and uh, write some notes in your Bible and uh, write them in your iPhones and your computers because how many of you know family is very, very important, isn't it? Marriages are very, very important. So we're going to just see here what the Lord has for us over the next few weeks. Next week, of course, is Mother's Day, and we pray that all the moms have a great Mother's Day. And again, the podcast that Pastor Tony was talking about, it's new. Thea, I think, Thea, you're on this one, aren't you? Thea and Liz, and they're talking about wives, especially wives, how to balance out your life, and moms, how to balance out your life with having kids and taking kids here and there, going to church, etc. So tune into that podcast. It's every week. There's a new one. They're going to be on it for next week also. Oh, I like chapter 3 and verse 1. How many of you like chapter 3 and verse 1? Can I see your hand lifted up in the air? That's what I thought, two of you, and it's all men that have their hands raised up. Look at this. Wives, be submissive to your own husbands. What a way to start a service. Five people are leaving already right back there. Get back in your seats. Get back in your seats. Wives, be submissive to your own husbands, that if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. What has happened here, there's two individuals that got married. They were both unbelievers, but then the wife got saved and the husband still is not saved. So if you notice, Peter says, look, the way that you're going to win them to the Lord is not by nagging them and not by getting on them and not letting them have it and putting your finger in their face all the time. How many of you know the way that they're going to be changed is by the wife simply living for the Lord in front of them and having good conduct. So we see here that these six, seven verses that Peter talks about family. It's about conduct and it's about character, more importantly. So it says here in verse three, do not let your adornment, ladies, be merely outward, the arranging of the hair, the wearing of gold, or the putting on of fine clothes looking nice. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham. I like these next three words, calling him Lord. Oh, I like that. I like that. This morning when uh, I was, I always get up early and I was leaving early to come here to church and uh, Susie said, Bill, I love you. And I said, I love you too. She said, I'll see you in a little bit. I said, that's Lord Bill. I really like that. She didn't like it at all. Let me tell you, she didn't like it. There was silence, and I said, see you in a little bit. She goes, you just get in the car, and you just get to church, and I'll catch you later. Catch you later. Lord Bill. I said, it's scriptural. I mean, it's scriptural. We do everything by the scriptures. I got to read that again. Being submissive to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Don't you? Look, give me a pen. Somebody throw a pen. I want to underline that right there. Whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, dwell with them with understanding. Dwell with your wives with understanding. That's what we're going to be talking about over the next, seven, over the next few weeks, about understanding. Under, there's some things we must understand concerning marriage. We also need to give honor to the wife because they are so precious. As to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Do you notice here that our prayers can be hindered when a husband and wife don't get along because if you don't get along, you're not going to be praying for one another. Isn't that true? So Peter says our prayer life is going to be hindered. Oh, would you put up that picture, if you could, please, on the video screen at this point, if you would? Put that picture up there. There we go. I don't even recognize that guy right there. When my kids see that, they go, Malio, Malio, yes. <laughs> 1977. November 26, 1977, this November, we'll be married 42 years in spite of me. 
Look at that. Every time I look at that picture, I have tears in my eyes. I don't know, but why is it that the ladies, as they get older, look beautiful, and the guys look uglier as they get I don't understand that. We were married at Calvary Temple. My pastor married us, Dr. Polly Pano. It was a beautiful weekend. It was Thanksgiving weekend. There was a little snow, and we were fortunate that on both sides of the family, we had every family member from both sides of the family at that wedding. It was the only uh, wedding of all the family members that took place where both sides of the family were. And uh, 42 years, and we saw each other. We courted each other for two years, so we've been together for 44 years. How many of you know that's a miracle, isn't it? That's a miracle. That's a miracle. The greatest thing that has ever happened to me in my life is the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The second greatest thing that has ever happened to me in my life is when the Lord introduced me to that beautiful lady, Susie Plotz. Susan Elizabeth Plotz. I love her lots and lots and lots. <laughs> we must understand some things about marriage. Everybody ready for the ride for the next few weeks? Verse 1, wives, females, be submissive to your own husbands, males. We must understand the definition of marriage. We're going to start right from the beginning and get go because the definition of marriage is so very, very important because we see in our society today that our culture, sometimes politicians, not all, I don't want to label everybody in the basket, but they are redefining the marriage, what marriage is. And there's only one place that we are to find out what marriage is and how it is defined, and that is found right here in the precious Word of God. 66 books right here. I have a manual at home for our little Honda Civic, and as we look in that, as we look in that manual for that car, it tells me how to handle all the gadgets and fix things if they need to be fixed and when to get oil changes and how to keep everything going proper and, and how many miles on an oil change and how to get the uh, air conditioning going and all the music and synch synchronize your smartphone so you can hear good in the speaker system. And when we look at that manual and when we follow that manual for oil changes, maintenance, and all the things that we have to do, you know what? That car runs pretty good. There aren't really a lot of problems with it. I got news for all of you that are single, single parents and married. We have a manual, I will call it right here. How many of you know we have 66 books, 39 in the Old and 29 in the Seven, and in the New Testament? And how many of you know when we go by this manual right here, the Word of God, you are going to have an awesome and a fantastic marriage relationship. Will there be bumps and bruises? Oh, yes, over 42 years of marriage, there's been, there have been bumps and bruises. They've all been Susie's fault, but we've had bumps and we've had bruises. She's not here in this service. <laughs> we've had bumps and bruises, and we've had some difficult times. Oh, my goodness, most of them on my part to put up with me. It has been huge, and all the people said... I just had to make up for what I previously said is why I said that. Oh, we've had financial difficulties. I mean, we've had good things, bad things, marvelous things, but I can really look you in the eye and say this. We are still on our honeymoon. After 42... Isn't that wonderful? How come everybody's not clapping? Are your marriages that bad? Are they that bad? I'm still on my honeymoon. We enjoy each other's company. We love to be with each other. We have fun. We have things in common. Sometimes we don't have things in common. Again, it doesn't eliminate the problems. doesn't eliminate the hassles. I put my pants on one leg at a time like all of you. But you know what? We make it through. And I tell you, the reason we make it through is because Jesus is number one in our lives. That is for sure. That is for sure. But the redefinition of marriage is going throughout our society. And it's very, very important that to know what marriage is and know what marriage is all about, that we look into the precious Word of God. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 1 says there are wives 
and there are husbands. There are men and there are women. And it does not matter what the media says. It doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't matter what politicians say. It is not our opinion or a pastor's opinion. What God wrote in the Bible is that's what we go by. And God's Word says this. Marriage is between a man and a woman only. It is not between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. It is not between two men and four women. It is not between five women and one man. It is not between a human being and an animal or a vegetable or a tree. It's right here in God's Word from Genesis to Revelation that marriage is between a man and a woman, period. How come everybody's not praising the Lord? Right here. Right here. You see, I have a manual for my car, and I follow it. And when I follow it, it works right. I have a manual for my life. Why do people get mad at born-again believers when they say what marriage actually is? This is what we believe in. I don't know about you, but I'm a Christ follower. Do we have any Christ followers in this place? How many of you know if you're a Christ follower, you follow everything that is found right here in the precious Word of God? So don't get mad at us. You've got to get mad at the Lord. He's the one who said what marriage is. He's the one who defined what marriage is. All I'm doing is reporting what God has said to our society. And if our society will follow the words of Jesus, how many of you know We'll have a victorious society. We'll have a strong society. We'll have a solid society. We'll have a stable society. When man does what they want to do, and fall, they'll fall away. But we need to follow the Word. Now turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, if you would. Let's see when all of this started concerning the definition of marriage, the definition of marriage. Now remember something. The Bible, your Bible, my Bible, it teaches equal rights for everyone. But what happens in our culture is this. They go over into the redefinition now of marriage, and we need to redefine marriage. No, that has nothing to do with equal rights. How many of you know you can go out there and get a job if you work hard, no matter who you are, what color you are, what your gender is. If you have a, if you have a good work ethic, man, you go out there and make a good job and make good money. But then when they start to tread on the Bible, it says now we need to redefine marriage. We cannot do that because God's word is the true word. God's word is the right word. And it doesn't matter even what the Supreme Court rules. How many of you know God's word and God himself are above every decision that is made in the Supreme Court by the president, by politicians, by preachers, etc. So we see here in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 21, verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. No in-law interference, can you say amen? No parental interference. And be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. You say, why weren't they ashamed? Because they were married, and there's nothing wrong with having sex. Oh, somebody just woke up right back there when I said that word. There was nothing wrong with having sex when you are married. <laughs> yeah, baby. Woo! We got a revival going on over here in this place. But how many of you know there is no sex outside of marriage? No sex outside of marriage. Mm -mm, that's sin. That's sin. You say, well, I'm living with a guy and I'm living with a gal. Well, we'll do a blue light special for you. You either got to get married or you got to separate. You say, who are you telling me what to do? I'm not. I have a manual. I just went through it. Can I say it again? I have a manual that's found right here in the precious Word of God. And this Bible says there is no sex outside of marriage. And it doesn't matter what our culture says. 
I can't believe some born-again believers, they want to go by the world. No, how many of you know we've been delivered from the world? We are a different people. We're not putting anybody down. We are just going by the precious Word of God and standing on this Word. Sex is for those individuals that are married. I am amazed today in our society, those, in our society though, and even in the church with born-again believers, because those that are married, those that have a, are married, our husband and wife, there's so many problems, it seems like there's not a lot of sex going on in those that are allowed to have sex. But how many of you know, those who aren't allowed to have sex, they're having a party every night. I, what in the world is going on? Come on, second service, get with it. Can you say amen? Get with it. That's not everybody clapping. First service was standing on their feet, running around the sanctuary. I mean, come on, get with it sexually. It's one of the top five reasons for divorce. It's one of the top five reasons for divorce because there is no healthy sexual encounter between a husband and a wife. Okay, I need to get off that subject. Here we go. Watch out for outside influences. They will speak a different sound or voice. Outside influences caused Peter to deny Jesus three times. It caused Demas to forsake the church and backslide. It caused King Saul to rebel. The outside influences of liberalism, feminism, secularism, demonic influences, the internet, TV, radio, podcasts, interviews, family, friends, professors, co-workers, and education will try to move us away from Christianity and what marriage really is. But God's people, we don't go by all of those influences that are out there speaking to us. We stand on the precious word of God that says this, that marriage is between one man and one woman and no law, no country, no culture can change it at all. It will never change. How many of you know God's word is true and we stand on it and we live by it and we go by it? Can you say amen? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We must understand the definition of marriage. I just had to start there. And number two, we must understand that marriage isn't for everyone, and all the singles said. I should say some of the singles said. We must understand that marriage isn't for everyone. There is nothing wrong with being single and staying single. Nothing wrong with that at all. There is nothing wrong with it. God gives the gift of singleness to certain individuals. We see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verses 8 and 9. But I say to the unmarried and also to the widows... It is good for them if they can remain even as I am. The Apostle Paul was single. So he says there, it is good for them if they can remain even as I am, but if they cannot exercise self-control, that's talking about on the sexual side of thing. If you're attracted to someone and you're seeing someone and you cannot remain, cannot exercise self-control, let them go ahead and get married, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So if you notice what Paul was saying here, I am single, but guess what? And you are single, remain as I am. But if for some reason you meet somebody and you're going to you're going to sin sexually then make sure you get married because you don't want to live in sin and you don't want to walk in sin and you don't want to sin before the Lord but it is very important today because I feel sorry for some singles today because some people just give them such a difficult time I mean there's all these questions to a lot of single gals and a lot of single guys well why aren't you married yet well what in the world is wrong with you I mean, you know what? Do you wear deodorant? Do you brush your teeth? What in the world? You know, I don't understand why in the world you're not married. And a lot of singles feel guilty. Singles, how many singles do we have out there? Can I see your hands lifted up in the air? Some of you are going to have the desire to get married. 
If you have the desire to get married, so be it. But some of you, God is going to place within your heart the gift of singleness. And when somebody comes to you and says, hey, when are you getting married? How come you're not married yet? Hey, just pick somebody. I'll find somebody for you. You just look them in the eye and you tell them this. I have the gift of being single and I am good to go. In fact, I'm just like the Apostle Paul. And more than that, I'm just like the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and glorifying Him. So those of you that are single, do not feel guilty at all for not being single. And don't give in to all the questions and all the things that are thrown at you. Walk the life that the Lord has for you. Those of you that are single, one of the good things about single is you have a little bit more time to follow the Lord and go after the Lord and spend with the Lord. I remember when I was single, man, I went after the Lord with all my heart. I still do. But all of a sudden I got married. I had to put the ABS brakes on a little bit. You say, why? Because I can't just leave my wife at home there. Well, pastor, you need to pray all day. You need to read your Bible all day. No, I got a wife that has to have some time and I got to be with her and I got to love her and spend some time with her. So there's a little bit less time to serve the Lord. Then all of a sudden a child comes along and now I got to spend time to be with that child. Now I got a wife to spend time with. Now I got a child to be with. We had two children. Now I got two children to be with. Now I got three grandchildren that I'm de- so I got five kids. I'm be- with. You say, well, your kids are out of the house. It doesn't make any difference if the kids are out of your house or not. How many of you know they're still my kids? They're still my children. I still want to spend some time with them and not babysitting. I just want to spend some time with my kids, have fun with them. I love it when they come over. I hug them. I tell them I love them. And you know what? They hug me. They're not ashamed of that. I'm glad at 27 and 25, they don't go, get away from me. Man, I hug them and love them, saying, you're so awesome. You're so great. I prayed for you today. You know what? I'm not bragging. We have an awesome family. I have awesome kids. I have awesome grandkids. And how many of you know it has everything to do with the Lord, but it also has everything to do with following the Word of God and practical things that we do as a family? Can you say amen? Come on, everybody give the Lord praise. Would you do that? Now, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If your teenager tries to run away from you when you hug them, you just run after them and you hug them anyway. You hug them anyway. They'll finally give in. They'll finally give in. Joel came in yesterday, and he has, I have, a, I have a grand dog now, too. Not only a new little granddaughter, I have a grand dog. He has a grand, he has a dog, brings uh, Amy over, Amicus, and uh, he came over, and as soon as he came in, I just ran up to him and just gave him a hug. He gave me a hug. I said, I love you, Joel, 25-year-old man. He says, I love you, Dad. You're the greatest dad in the world. I said, what do you want? Second <laughs> Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship is righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? That's the devil. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be with their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. If you do have a desire to be married and you are single, never, 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 please write this down, never, never, never get married to an unbeliever. Never. Don't be unequally yoked with somebody who doesn't know Christ. You will want to go to church. They won't. You will want to give. They won't. You will want to serve. They won't. You will want to raise your children in the ways of the Lord. You won't. You'll want your kids to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak with tongues. They won't. You'll want to make Jesus Christ number one. They will not. Do not marry an unbeliever. Find a man or find a woman who knows Christ, is on fire, is going after the Lord, reads the word, is in church. Hello, anybody here today? 
But pastor, they're awesome, and I know they're going to change. No, 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 you get what you got. That's it. You get what you got, and after you get married, I'm sorry, it gets worse. Don't do that. This thing is going to change. No, you get what you got, what they are like. That's what you have. So you need to make sure that you follow the precious word of God. Ladies, God has a wonderful man out there who is filled with the Spirit, who loves the Lord, who is following Jesus with all of his heart, with all of his soul. And guess what? They also work a job. (laughs) Miracles do happen in our society. Guys, there are beautiful ladies out there. Do you realize in 1 Peter 3, what was Peter talking about? He wasn't talking about, oh, they're beautiful because of their dress. They get their toes done. They got flat abs. You know, oh, wow, yeah. They're beautiful, Peter says, because of their character. Not the outward beauty. What was Peter talking about? It's the inward beauty. How many of you know that inward beauty comes to the outside? And you look at that person, you say, oh, man, they are pretty. But wow, there's some character. Man, they love Jesus with all their heart. I love Susie. She's the most beautiful woman in the world. But guess what? She loves Jesus with all of her heart, with all of her soul, with all of her mind. It was just a couple days ago. She came in. I was doing something in the living room, and she came in. She was my devotion. It'll knock your socks off. I said, that's awesome. And I sat there, you say, well, why is that so awesome? Just think, after 44, it's been 42 years being married and two years that we courted each other before we got married, to have a woman in your life that is still reading the Bible, that is still on fire for the Lord, that is still in church, that is still serving, she gives more than anybody could ever give. I'm the stingy one. She's the one who gives. Even when I'm preaching at Awake America 365, she's sitting here in the front row for her to come forward and say, look at this devotion. And I read it. We're just sitting there the whole time going, woo! This is awesome. Jesus is awesome. That's what you need to be finding. That's what you need to look for. Don't just look for beauty. Don't just look for wealth. Don't just look at handsome. Make sure that you find that man and find that woman who loves Jesus with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind. That wife who will follow Jesus with everything that they have, a prayer warrior and an interceder. Come on, everybody give the Lord praise. Would you do that? God's people, the spiritual aspect of a marriage is so vital and so important. How do all of you think we've made it for 44 years together? 42 years married, two years courting. It isn't because of good looks. It isn't because of she's so pretty. It isn't because of this. It isn't because of that. It's because we have founded our marriage relationship on the rock the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we have followed the principles that are found in the precious Word of God. I want to challenge all of you that are guys because I don't want this family series out of 1 Peter, everybody leaving saying, man, I just got beat up today. But guys, I want to look you in the eyes and say this. Can you at least take a step up? Come on, can you at least take a step up? Can you begin to pray for your wife in a way that you've never prayed for before? Hello, any guys here? Come on, can you lay hands on your kids every night and make sure that they're baptized in the Holy Spirit and praying that God would set them on fire for the Lord? 
Wives, can you take some extra time and can you pray for your husband? Wife, really, when is the last time you were really on your knees? I'll just set this time for a good hour every day of the week praying for that wonderful husband. He needs to change. He doesn't work like he should. He's a little bit lazy when he comes home. You know how to change that? Not nagging him. You get in your prayer closet. You cry a few tears. You cry out to the Lord. You speak in tongues and all of a sudden you'll see him come home and say, what in the world has gotten into him? I'll tell you what has gotten into him. A little bit of prayer from heaven and a little bit more of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How many of you know the Lord can change a man? Come on, are there any ladies out there that believe intercession can change a man, can change a family, can change your kids, can change a community, can change a nation? You know why I'm different today than I was a few weeks ago? Because I walk past my bedroom and all of a sudden I hear somebody speaking in tongues in there. Who is that? We're empty nesters. Who is that? Crack the door. There's my wife on her knees at the bed. What a wonderful feeling after 44 years. Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to get a divorce. And for those of you who are divorced, we'll be talking about divorce a little bit. I don't want you to feel condemned. If you got a divorce, how many of you understand that the Lord forgives? How many of you are glad God really forgives all the junk and all the garbage, everything that has gone on? But if you're married today, no divorce. You hang in there, and you stand there, and you believe the Lord, and the Lord will do it, and there's nothing better than to hear a wonderful wife with the door closed, praying in tongues, and I know the Holy Spirit's touching me, touching the kids, touching our ministry, touching the church, touching everything around us. There is nothing better than a man or a woman not only working and making money, make sure that they're looking good, and they are pretty. They got wonderful abs. That's great. Thank you very much. But bodily exercise profits little, but godliness with contentment is great gain. How have we made it through? Jesus, prayer, the Word. Come on, how many of you are going to make it through? Jesus, prayer, the Word. Perry, pastor, who in the world should we get married to? The right person. You say, who's the right person? The one that God chooses? The one that God chooses? You say, God actually chooses? Yes, God chooses. Do you realize that everything that happens in our life should be God's choice? You say, Pastor, I work this job because I just got a raise and I like my boss, whatever. Hopefully you're in the job you are because the Lord said, this is the job that I have for you. I don't want my own job. I don't care how much money it is. I want God's job. Anybody else want God's job? If I'm not where I'm supposed to be, I don't care what the money is. It doesn't make any difference. I want God's job. How many of you know the safest place in the world is to be where the Lord wants you? How many of you are glad God chooses your job? For me, God chooses my job. God chooses my ministry. God chooses where I live. God chooses my car. God chooses the church you attend. Isn't it amazing today that most born-again believers, they they choose a church that's cool, man, yeah. Man, look at all the cool stuff they got. And How many of you know we don't have worship teams anymore? We got bands. Oh, man, that church is so cool. And the preacher's cool, and the kids' ministry is cool, and they give popcorn to all the kids. It's so awesome. And you know what God says? That's not where I want you. I'll never forget when I went into my home church, Calvary Temple. I walked in the doors, didn't even know anything about the church. I had looked at a lot of churches. I said, Lord, I want your church. I don't want the cool church. I don't want the big church. I don't want the small church. I don't want the the band church. I want your church. I walked into that church. Guess what God said? This is your home. This is where I want you. This is where I planted you. This is where I have you. And as soon as I saw Susie, guess what happened? He said, that's your wife. There's a lot of other ladies I could have chosen. There's a lot of other ladies I could have gotten into a relationship with. But how many of you are glad you don't 
don't choose your church. You don't choose where to live. You don't choose your house. You don't choose your car. You don't choose your job. You don't choose who you're married to. Hello, anybody here? How many of you are glad God chooses that person? God chooses that person. God chooses that person. You've got to marry the right person. You have to wait on the Lord. And the word wait means an action word. It means to serve. The word wait is an action word meaning to serve. You go after the Lord and you go to church and you go to the small groups and you go to other Christian gatherings. You're always around people and all of a sudden you see somebody you might be attracted to and you might go out for coffee or you might do something with them at church because you're always in groups. Then pretty soon the voice of the Holy Spirit speaks to you and said, Bill, no. Oh, come on, come on. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you find there's somebody else that's out there, and you're in the small groups, you're following the Lord, and all of a sudden, he brings along Susie Elizabeth Plotz, and the Lord said, yes, this is your wife. I'll never forget the day Susie came in the restaurant, I looked at her, and the Lord says, that is your wife. I was wrapping a hamburger, and he says, that is your wife. I dropped the hamburger, my mouth dropped open, I said, that is my wife. I asked her out on a date, I said, if that's my wife, I said, she's going to say yes, and she was dating somebody else at the time. She was an unbeliever at that time. But guess what? <laughs> after I took him out <laughs> and after I led her to the Lord, we went out and guess what? We've been happy forever and forever and forever. We have. Guess what? You can have a great relationship forever and ever and ever. Come on, how many of you want a great relationship until you go home to be with heaven, in heaven with the Lord? You can have it. You can have it. I want to share with you from Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, if you'll turn there with me, please. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. We're just going to have a good time over the next few weeks just talking about marriage. If you have questions, you can also always send them to us, and uh, you can let me know through email, through a lot of different ways, and uh, we'll answer those questions because there's a lot of questions about family, marriage, how to raise children, and how to handle finances. We're going to uh, go through some of that because Susie and I are now empty nesters. Does everybody know what an empty nester is? That means no kids. <laughs> oh, that's so great. It's awesome. They can come and visit, but get out. That, that is <laughs> oh, what a great time it is. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. We have a promise. Everybody say we have a promise. And here's the third thing we need to understand this morning. We need to understand that we can't lose our fight. We cannot lose our fight when it comes to our family. There's so many issues and problems sometimes in families that occur and we begin to get tired, we begin to get weary because it doesn't look like things are going to change. It doesn't look like our partner's going to change. It doesn't look like our kids are going to change. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed. How many of you have ever gotten weary in the fight concerning family and finances and going to work and raising kids and trying to see your wife change? Your, we all have, but listen, you can't lose your fight. This is a word from the Lord. I want you to write it down. You can't lose your fight. The most important people in your life after Jesus is your husband and your wife and your children and your grandchildren. This morning when I woke up, there was somebody in bed with me. So I was laying there in bed, and all of a sudden, I looked over to my right, and it was my beautiful wife. Nobody else was in that room and in that house with us. The kids are gone. Nobody else was in there. None of you were there. No neighbors were there. 
No friends were there in our house with us. We were there all by ourselves, and little tears came into my eyes, and I said, look at that beautiful lady that's put up with me for 44 years. Look at all the people that have come and gone from churches I've pastored. Look at all the people who were friends but aren't friends. I went on and on and on, not in a negative way, but I said, look at the person who has stood with me through thick or thin. No matter what. You say, Pastor, why has that happened? Because of the Lord, but for another reason. I have learned how to fight, and I will not quit fighting for my family, for my kids, for my marriage, for my grandchildren, on my knees, seeking the face of the Lord. I'm not letting the devil take my kids. I'm not letting the devil take my marriage. I'm not letting the devil take my finances. I'm not letting the devil take the church. I'm not letting the devil take my community. I'm not letting the devil take our nation. Come on, is anybody going to rise up and going to fight? going to fight. That's not everybody. Come on, you're going to fight for your kids. Are you going to fight for your husband? Are you going to fight for your wife? Are you going to fight for your grandkids? Yesterday, I was just walking around the house praying in tongues, and I was just going for it. It was early in the morning. All of a sudden, Joel walked in, and I just, I just keep praying like normal. I don't hush it from him. He knows I pray. So I'm praying, and he's fixing eggs. I'm going by and praying in tongues and praying in tongues, whatever. And after I prayed about an hour and a half, I went into the kitchen. I gave him a big hug. I said, I love you. Guess what he said? I love you, Dad. I said, I just want you to know, I took a good half hour right now, and I prayed for you. He looked at me and says, thanks, Dad. He says, I need all the prayer that I can get. How many of you know I'm fighting for my son? I'm fighting for my daughter, even though they're out of the house, they can feel the prayers, they can sense the prayers, they know the prayers, and guess what? When they get older, they know that there was a mom, they know that there was a dad that prayed for them, and guess what they're going to do when they're older? They're going to be praying, they're going to be seeking the face of the Lord, they're going to be praying for their kids, they're going to stay married. Come on, is anybody ready to fight? That's not enough of you. Come on, are you willing to fight? Come on, are you growing tired? Don't grow weary. God's going to win. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. This is a promise I've kept since Purdue University when I first got saved. Let us not grow tired. Let us not grow weary of that struggle we're having raising our kids. Let us not grow tired because I only have enough finances from paycheck to paycheck. Let us not grow weary when you have a one-year-old in, in your pouch in front of you, a three-year-old and a five-year-old hanging on to your legs, and you're getting tired as a mom. Let us not grow weary when the job situation has a lot of pressure. Let us not grow weary because we live in a day and age where mom and dad both have to work. Let us not grow weary because I'm a single parent trying to raise three kids. Let us not grow weary while doing good for at the right time and in the due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart God's people do not lose heart do not get weary jump in the fight get in the fight stay in the fight it is worth it for your family for your marriages for your kids and for your grandkids Pastor, why in the world have you and Susie made it for all these years? Of course, number one, Jesus. Number two, practical things. There are practical things that we all have to do. We can pray all we want, but you still got to love your wife. You still got to go out and work a job. But thirdly, I fight. I fight. Husbands, I just want to talk to you just for a minute, not to knock you, not to put you down or make you to feel guilty. When's the last time that you were on your knees? I'm going to give you a time limit for a good hour praying for that wonderful wife. How many of you know she's worth 60 minutes of prayer? That's still bad, but it's better than the first response. 
This isn't like praying over our scrambled eggs. Lord, bless the scrambled eggs. I don't know why we pray blessed to our bodies. Man, I do, and not every day, but I get on my knees with tears in my eyes. I pray for my wife. I pray that God will bless her. I pray that God will touch her. I pray that God will strengthen her. I pray for Joel and Katie. I pray for Jagger and Jacoby. I pray for Gemma, the three grandkids. Katie uh, fell a little bit in, in her house the other day and just kind of fell. That wasn't a bad thing, but we took Jacoby to Home Depot because we are helping them put up some curtains. And on the way there, because Susie and I led Jacoby and Jagger to the Lord, they're, they're both born again. They're just six and five years old. But how many of you know we're not letting the devil have our grandkids either? He, he's, he's not getting our grandkids. Mm -mm. So J Jacoby said, GP, again, I don't like grandpa, I like GP. GP, are you with me? Oh, yeah. Anyway, so he said, GP, I didn't chorus him. I didn't talk to him, didn't say anything. He said, GP, when we get home, he says, can we pray for mommy? I said, yes, we can. He says, how we do it? I said, when we get home, I'll show you exactly how to do it. We went in. I said, mommy, talking to Katie, Jacoby wants to do something. I didn't coerce him. I didn't, you know, as a pastor, I didn't tell him to do this. He said, mommy, we got to pray for you. He looked at me, GP, how do we do that again? I said, okay, come over here, and we're going to lay hands, and you lay hands. And he said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would heal my mommy. You know what the awesome thing that was great about that? I've been fighting for him since he was in the womb. You know why? I've never told anybody this. When he was in the womb, the umbilical cord was wrapped around Jacoby's neck. He wasn't getting the amount of oxygen he should have gotten. He should either be mentally, something wrong with him mentally, or he should be dead. But when the doctor brought him out, he says he is perfect. There was nothing wrong with him. Even from the womb, we've been fighting. Come on, is anybody else going to fight for your kids? Come on, put your hands together. Come on, you're going to fight for your grandkids? Oh, man, it's getting stronger. Come on, you're going to fight for your marriages? Come on, we're going to fight on our knees. We're going to believe God to do great and awesome things, bring victory to our couples, bring victory to our single parents, bring victory to our singles, bring victory to our families in the name of Jesus. Come on, don't grow weary. Don't grow tired. Let's fight. Let's fight spiritually. Let's fight. Let's fight.